0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Welcome to those of you joining online. Um, Welcome to those of you um, who've been here the last few weeks I haven't met. Those of you who are here for the first time, glad you're here as well. Been a great time off. It's a little weird in a sabbatical year. This was a half sabbatical for me. Um, And we didn't do anything big. Uh, Abby and I went to Excelsior Springs for a couple of days. We did take a trip back to Oklahoma, and I kind of did some things around the house, and I wasn't around people a whole lot, a little bit. Um, I didn't talk a lot. didn't interact with people a lot. (laughs) I was missing my peeps, man. Guys start getting a little depressed if he doesn't talk to people very much when he's used to talking to people. So it's good to be back um, uh, with you guys. Very effective um, time of rest for me, and so we're thankful for that, thankful for the church Valuing us and understanding, um, it's uh, the like just the need of that and the discipline um, that that it takes, even on my part, to just step away and, and go, Okay, I'm not gonna do anything church work, just kind of turn the spigot off for a few weeks. It's a really different um, experience to walk through in ministry, but uh, graciously appreciate uh, your kindness for that. Do want to make you aware of some some changes that are coming your way. And some of them are going to be a little bit, whoa, I wasn't ready for that. Um, just know that as I navigate through them, a lot of things that hit me, I'm not ready for either. Um, and so one, one is we've been looking for someone, Molly expressed a desire to um, transition out of kids ministry quite some time ago. And so we've been actively searching and got close a couple of times on, on someone and haven't been able to identify the right person. But um, we have talked to Tara Fields, and she's going to step in as the interim kids director. So you've, uh, yeah, Tara's awesome, man. So you, see if you want to, like, we, she could use some help. Like, man, you're like, what do I do around this church? Go sign up to help in the kids' ministry. That'd be an awesome place uh, to serve. And um, I do want to let you know, like, Shay and I, uh, what you guys should know is uh, that Shay and I are best friends. Like, like we're tight, okay? Um, probably... No, he's one of the closest friends I have, no doubt. And he is expressing. and we've talked about this over the last year or so about at some point him transitioning off of paid staff. And so he, you know, obviously, he started here at the church when he was just starting his business. It was a perfect time. We needed some help, and they stepped in. I'm so thankful for um all that they have contributed to the ministry. And so we're going to start beginning to move in that direction of him stepping off of paid staff, and so we'll be thinking through how to leverage his leadership. Still, um, they're not going anywhere. Nothing has happened, and uh, they're they're gone this weekend. They're at a wedding, so just uh, FYI on that. And so what I would ask of you as a body is, hey man, the, like we need to pray about that. We need to pray about who does the Lord. How does He want us to? Uh, proceeding forward with this, especially when it comes to our student ministry and what's that going to look like um, in the future. And certainly I have a, uh, a vested interest in that as I have several kids that have gone through that student ministry and and several that are still in it. And so a uh, very important part of the ministry of our church. Um, and then uh, next week, there's a guy. I was like, Wait a minute! The guy takes a sabbatical and comes back, and look at all this stuff going on. Uh, next week, there's a guy starting. Uh, by the name of uh, uh, his name is Grant, and his wife's name is Allie. They've been around the church the past few weeks. Younger couple met them um, through the preschool. Actually, they came in, and Abby met them. Said, Hey, you should go have coffee with this guy. They were they were missionaries in China, and during COVID, they had to come back home. And this guy is trained in discipleship, which we have been praying about, having someone help us with that uh, for quite some time. And so uh, we are committed to discipleship. Grant's going to come on uh, in a part-time basis and be a part of of that. And and so you're going to be meeting Grant. He'll be here on on uh, in service with us next week. Has been the last few weeks, but just want you to know, hey, here's some things that are coming. Here's some things that you can pray about. And as far as... Uh, um, Shay and Molly, like we're gonna do something really special for them. I hope they're not watching. You know, it's like they—they they may be. Um, if you guys are, then if y'all are watching, we're not gonna do anything for y'all. But we—we <laughs> we are. We're gonna do something cool. We, we want to love on them and, and just golly, what what a great uh, time of service they've had over the last five years and great f- friendship to me and family, spiritual family for me. But anyway, be in prayer about. Um, some of those things, and now we can start the sermon. Okay, so we're going to start this series today, um, and it's a journey to the in the letter to, to Romans. Okay, so I believe like when I look at my life and I go, "Man, what 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 do I do as a pastor?" Like, what is there? Uh, and there are a lot of different um, things to that. Like when all that stuff we just talked about, I kind of got to help navigate through all that. Um, yeah, two, like I care for people at the time of death, or um, definitely you know whether you're somebody's pastor is when somebody gets married and somebody gets buried, okay? They reach out to you and, and that's a time. But above all of that and caring during times of, of loss, man, and, and the Lord kind of leans into you and asks you to do some things at different times, but then there's just a the teaching of the Word. And, and my job is to help you um, in your walk with the Lord and understanding who Who in the world are you in Christ? What does he expect out of you? What does it mean to be a a follower of Jesus? And so this series was born out of a lesson that the Lord has taught me really in the last year. I mean, he's taught it to me my whole life, but to kind of the awareness of it and really thinking through what it means is, is what do I have to offer the Lord? And I used to think in my life when I was younger, there was a time where I thought, man, I got something to offer the Lord. Like he, he... I put a gift in me. I'm a communicator and do a pretty good job and kind of thought of myself as, man, I I offer something to the Lord um, in my leadership. And really, there was a point in my life um, before I came to this church uh, that, that I, some of that thinking was really unhealthy for me and kind of like got in my head and the Lord kind of had to correct me. And if the Lord doesn't correct you and you figure out um, when he speaks softly, let me just tell you guys, he will hit you pretty hard. And he did me, and he kind of humbled me from that and, and uh, taught me some things that I'm, I think I'm still learning even to this day. Uh, but as we, as we walk with the Lord and we think, well, what do we offer the Lord? Like a man it preach this sermon and the Lord's up there and he's like, Man, hey, Jimmy, like he's talking about that Greek word there and man, that was really good. I didn't ever think about that. <laughs> like the Lord's not doing that. The Lord is not like when I get out my checkbook and I write a gift and 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 make a sacrifice and honor the Lord with a tithe. It's not look at that, man. I sure appreciate old Holbrook down there. If he hadn't have given that gift, I'm not sure we could have made the uh, things happen in the kingdom we needed to get done. It's just, what do I do? What can I do to really add any value to the Lord? There's only one thing. It's belief. That's all I can do. I, I, it kind of dawned on me one morning, on a Sunday morning, I was getting ready to come up here and, and speak. And I was thinking about the sermon and stuff and, and how the Lord would use it. And I was like, Lord, I got nothing. I got nothing for you. What do I have to give you that is going to make any difference in the world at all? And, and I said, all I have is belief. And I, was, and I immediately came up from my knees in prayer. And I read in the scripture and it talked about Abraham believed and it was credited to him is righteousness. And so that's really all we have. All we have is belief that we can offer to the Lord. Now this is essential. This is essential for us because our belief will always impact our behavior. And so when we think of, man, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean that I'm supposed to do? It's It must be rooted um, in our belief because if not, um, then we get all mixed up and things can get broken because be- behavior should always follow our beliefs. And our belief, we should never try to get our belief to follow our behavior. That is a recipe for a Pharisee. As we think, well, and a lot of times people think this, well, I'll, I'm going to start to go to church or I'm going to give my life to the Lord when I fix A, B, C, and D. No, that's a that's a terrible way to think. That is, that is your behavior trying to lead you into belief as opposed to your belief beginning to impact your behavior. And so that could, that'll get you all mixed up, get you uh, in all sort of crossways with the Lord and with yourself if you try to focus on your behavior. Now, the Lord doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to, wants you to focus on your belief. And so Paul writes this letter to the, Romans, or the, the church in Rome. Now, something interesting about the church in Rome is we know that some of the churches um, that we find in, in during the, the infancy of the church starting, who they were started by, whether they were started by the, the apostle James or, or whether they were started by Paul and Barnabas. But this church in Rome, man, nobody knows who started it. Um, as a matter of fact, they what they believe is that when the day of Pentecost, which was the outpouring of the Spirit of God um, on the Christians and and they were in Jerusalem, and then persecution started happening, and 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 people were dispersed out of Jerusalem. They believe that there were some people that lived in Rome that were during that that time of all of that happening, and they ended up going back home. And through the, the leadership of the Spirit of God, a church happened in Rome, and it was a, a strong, uh, powerful church. And and so um when when we look at that and and see that Paul is writing to them, man, he's a He's like, man, he's encouraged to go and see them. He wants to go and see them. And so he's writing this letter to encourage them, one, and by the things he's hearing about them. And two, he wants to make sure they kind of have a foundation uh, uh, for their faith. And of all the things that Paul has written, Romans is like, it's the pinnacle of the things that he pinned for the Lord and how the Lord used him. Like we look at the book of Romans, it is a logical um, case for who God is, who what the gospel is, how it all works, how we're to function within the kingdom, and so Paul writes this letter, and the bulk of it is about belief. It's it's just about what is the gospel, what does the Old Testament teach, and Paul, is this guy, man, he knows so much about the Old Testament history, and so he teaches a lot about behavior, but he demonstrates how that behavior flows from belief. And so he basically is saying, when you believe in the gospel, it will shift your behavior. And so I'm going to, today, all we're going to do is unpack seven verses. And they're the opening seven verses of, of this letter. And then we're going to dive into a lot of deep, uh, or a lot of Greek words, because a lot of times when you look at the Greek and what, what this word is trying to say, man, you, um, the English language can only, like, there's so much more to pour in there. It's like a sponge. You can pour into a sponge, but it can only absorb so much. And that's the way the English is trying to receive the Greek. It can take a lot of it, and you kind of, you get real close but there's a whole lot that you can't get in there because the words are just not the same and the language is not the same. So I'm going to unpack a few Greek words to, to show you, I think, some things, man, that will really, they've, they've been encouraging to me. They help me to think about, man, this week I want to grow in the Lord. I want to know that I'm, I'm taking some steps and I, I'm doing the things that'll help me become all that the Lord wants me to be. And So Paul, he starts here and he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says a lot, man. There's seven verses, and kind of seven verses, you're reading through them, and you fly right over them and miss a whole lot. But if you slow down and go, man, what is really going on in, 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 in this, this opening of this letter to these Christians in Rome? Well, Paul first says, hey, guys, I want you to know I'm a servant. Now, the Greek word behind this word servant is the word doulas. And this is what this word means when you kind of unpack it, and all uh, that 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 it was like like all that it holds. You ring that word out. It's one who gives himself up to another's will. Um, Those whose service is used by Jesus in extending and advancing his cause among men. One who is devoted to another, to the disregard of one's own interest. So Paul says, I'm a servant, man. Like when it comes to what I believe, he says, I've given myself up. I'm a servant of Christ and I disregard my own interest. Now that is a challenging thing to think about. It's like, here are all my interests over here. And when I came to believe what happened, Paul says is, I'm disregarding all of that, and the singular focus for me right now is I am a doulos. I am a servant of Christ, and he's very intentional in this process of thinking, and so that's the first thing that we see, and then he says, he, he says I'm called, and he uses um, the word kletos. It's the Greek word kletos, and it means called to some office, divinely selected, appointed. And so he says that I believe that I am divinely selected to become a servant, a doulos of Christ. Now, he says, I believe this. I believe with everything in me that I was called into this. And then he goes on and he uses another word and he says, I'm set apart. And this is the Greek word, aphorizo. And it means to mark off from others by boundaries. So Paul says, not only am I a servant that has been called by the divine hand of God, God has marked off boundaries in my life. And these boundaries are to keep others from intruding in on what I've been called to as a servant of the Lord. And so Paul, again, is he saying, man, these, these are the things that I believe about what it means to follow Jesus and 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 i've set boundaries around my life for the sake he says of the gospel of god now what the what is the gospel of god that is the greek word evangelion and it means the good news of christ and his kingdom both here and now and then and there now you guys need to track with me because this is really really important for you on a daily basis and all of who you are in christ and what Paul is saying is, I'm set apart, I'm, I, like there are boundaries around my life, and it's all based upon the kingdom of Christ. What is the good news of the gospel? The good news of the gospel is that Christ came, God became a man, we call him Jesus of Nazareth. He was the Messiah that gave his life, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was crucified, buried, and rose on the third day. And as we look to what it means to receive the gospel, then what we are saying is the kingdom comes in first to a human being, and then it is perpetually coming in. And so he's saying, man, I'm a servant of that. And I'm a servant of the here and now, and I'm a servant of the then and there. And what what happens for us a lot of times as believers is we we can make Christianity and following Jesus all about the then and there. But that's not what it's all about. That is the climactic event. That is is what we're headed toward. But what's going on right now is we're living in this, this place of time. And so on the continuum of time, we have a birthday and a death day. And there's a lot of here and now kingdom stuff that is supposed to be happening as a result of who we are in Christ. And Paul says, man, I see myself and I believe that what God has done is I have been called into this to bring the kingdom in. and It is a perpetual process that is happening over and over and over in my life. And so Paul says, this is what I believe. And then he goes on and he says, why do I believe this? Well, verses two through four, he, he's, they, they spell it out specifically. And they says that it was pr- promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. So why do I believe all of this? And he says, because it was promised. There was a promise, men, that went way back before Jesus ever was alive. It was prophesied. God raised up some prophets, and hundreds of years ago, they prophesied that this would happen, a Messiah would come, and he would take away the sins of the world. It was proven. Um, by the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and we see the power of the resurrection. And so like, I just look at all of this and and God is not asking me to make some blind leap of faith in the dark. He's saying, look, man, God promised it thousands of years ago, he used difference of prophets over a span of time. Not only did he uh, make the promise, he used prophets to Uh, prophesy how the promise would be fulfilled. And then he proved the promise was true ultimately by coming in the form of Christ and conquering death, hell, and the grave. And that's why I believe in the gospel. And so this stuff about, oh man, well, when you believe in the gospel, you are just like, you, you have to really intellectually, you have to kind of close your eyes, ridiculous comment intellectually you have to close your eyes to deny the gospel like jesus is a historical figure that we can read about and learn about and a lot of people want to say these these guys who are are like um they'll they'll tell you they're 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 like these educated people who are like maybe eighth Atheistic or agnostic, and they'll say things like, Well, Jesus was a good moral teacher, but his followers were just a little confused about him. Good teachers don't teach lies. Good teachers don't say, I'm God in the flesh. Okay? That's what Jesus said about himself. And so when we say we look at Jesus, I love what C.S. Lewis says we have three choices with Jesus, and everybody has to put Jesus somewhere. He's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's the Lord of the universe. And so when we look at that, Paul is saying, man, all of these things, and he says... I believe all of this because of what God has done and given me the evidence. And see, and this is fascinating to think about Paul writing this because he was trying to stamp out Christianity until he encountered the risen Christ himself. And he does a 180. And then he starts taking everything in the Old Testament and showing how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these thousands of years of promises and prophecies. And then he says, this is why I believe in the gospel." Now he goes on from there, and he says, because of this, this prophecy, this, it's been proven by the power of the resurrection and the promise, and he says that we receive something through him. Okay, so as a believer, all of these things should be operating in your life. Like he's, This is what he's trying to establish. And this word receive is the word lumbano, and it means to take with the hand, and lay claim. So in other words, I, we, uh, it would be as easy as I'm going to come down and I'm going to take Joe by the hand and claim him and bring him up on stage. And so what is it that we is taken by the hand and claimed by God? Here it is. It's first of all, it's grace. Now, what is grace? Because we here's what we do, man. We we it, it, we're so guilty of this if we're not careful is we take the deep things of God and we make them the cheap things of God. And so when it comes to grace, we say, well, grace is unmerited favor. Right, indeed. Okay? Um, Grace is unmerited favor. But it means so much more than just unmerited favor. And, And what we do by just saying, well, it's unmerited favor, we kind of think of grace as, well, grace means that all my sins are forgiven. Amen. That's what it means. If it were not for grace, that would not happen. And so, when we receive the grace of God, our sins are forgiven. But grace means so much more than that. Like grace, the word "cause" means so much more than than that. Let me let me kind of talk about some of the concepts that is carried by grace. It's merciful kindness by which God exerts His holy influence on souls. So it is the kindness of God that he is using to exert influence on my soul, which means that influence means that that grace should be shaping me constantly. And it turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to exercise obedience. So Paul is saying that man... That Lombano, like he's he's on all this case, and then he says that God takes us by the hand, and he lays claim to us, and we receive this grace. And God exerts his holy influence on us in order to get us to a point where we understand affection. He strengthens us. He's kind to us. He moves in our lives, and he brings us to the point where we exercise obedience. Okay. You see how easy it is to flip? What we try to do often is in our human, especially in the Western world that's performance-driven, I'm going to get better, I'm going to do better, I'm going to do this. We start trying to obey in order to receive grace. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you grace to help you obey. It's so important for you to get um, this in order. And so our belief like in that grace that comes to us is um, the very thing that helps us to exercise the obedience that he uh, wants us to follow. And so it is our belief in this that activates transformation in our lives. And so what we want to do is we want to just say, well, I'm a believer. Well, what are, are you a believer in? And I would, I would say to you, I'd encourage you as a body of believers, don't just say that you believe in God, okay? Okay. You, and, and especially in the, in the culture we're living in right now, you, you need to say, I believe in Jesus. Start naming God. Because some people will say God, and it is a complete shamble and lie what they're talking about. So everybody kind of uses this word God, and I know it's a safe place where when, when I'm talking about God, you know what I'm talking about. But I want you to know that Jesus is God. And when I say that I worship God, I might as well just say I worship Jesus. Jesus has a rightful call to my life. Jesus has done something inside of me. He has my allegiance. And so that's like when we say, well, I believe in Jesus, well, what does that mean? Paul is saying it means all of this. It means that we don't necessarily just say, well, I'm just going to all of a sudden say I'm a believer and then it stops there for me. No, J- Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you need to take up your cross, die to yourself and follow me daily. So there's something else going on in the midst of this. And at first, this sounds like it's specific to the apostle Paul, because he says, I was called as a servant to be an apostle. He's going, oh, yeah, that's, that sounds like all them things you lined out. and apostle sure, certainly should be one of, he should fulfill those things. And then I might even go, um, Jimmy, I might even go as far as to say, you probably should be listening and thinking through as a pastor. That sounds very pastor, uh, like that's for a pastor as well. That there's a calling on your, your life. There's, there's some things that, that God is doing. But notice verse 6. He says and you also are among those gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ This is for everyone Now granted there is a calling on my life into full-time ministry which means I make my main source of income comes from the ministry that is a calling on my life and I my job um, my primary job is to help you guys, and it, it consumes my thought. And so there, there is something uh, that is a, 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 there's a calling in the midst of that. But the only difference in my calling and your calling is that I get paid to do it. That's it. Like I, the Lord has set me apart and said you're like you're going to equip the church in a pastoral role and. But if, if, I, if I stepped aside and didn't get paid, there would still be a lot of things and expectations from the Lord on my life. And so as we look at this and we go, well, what are the takeaways for me? What, what do I need to be believing? Because certainly this week, I want to walk out of here and I want to know, man, I'm tracking with the Lord and I'm honoring him with my life. And I, I want to walk in obedience to him. What, what do I do? What, what is my first uh, takeaway from, from this series? Jimmy? Here's, here's the first thing you need to do. Believe in the call. Like, just intentionally believe that Jesus has called you. To believe in Jesus is to actively believe that I am called by him. So I accept as true that I have been called, and I meditate on this, and if I don't, guess what happens? I will disregard it. This is why Paul is taking the time to lay it out. The Old Testament, he told the uh, Jewish people, when they received the law from Moses, um, they were told like, bind this on your forehead, tie it to your hands. And especially in reference to the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And then Jesus said in the second commandment is like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so they were told, like, bind that on your hand, tie it, like, bind it on your forehead, tie it on your hand. What does that mean? Think about it, keep it ever on your thoughts so that what your hands are applied to, you never do forget how important the calling of God is on your life. And so tie these things on your, your hands, bind them on your, your forehead, and think about them often. So this week, when we say believe, like the, the homework for you is to believe there is a calling on your life. You say, well, I don't know what it is. Well, the first step that we could get to you figuring out what it is is just to believe that there is one. Just start thinking about it because that's going to create some curiosity in you. And so instead of trying to do your calling or find your calling, that the first place to start just believe. And then God will begin to show you what it is that he has called you into. If you never think about it, you will disregard it because the world and culture and everything that is opposed to the kingdom of Christ that is to be coming in the here and now to get ready for the then and there will distract you from it. That's why Jesus calls the devil the prince of the world. That's why the, the Apostle Paul in the letters he lays out, there are schemes that we are not unaware of, brethren, that are laid out by the enemy that are designed to come against us and pull us away from everything that is designed to help us understand what the calling is. So it's so easy to be distracted, and there are so many things that are pulling us in so many different directions, and they're trying to wreck our families, trying to wreck our marriages, trying to wreck um, all kinds of things about us to cause things to just be in a constant up so that we've got all this anxiety going on, and we never do have the peace that passes all all understanding, and the world can't look at us and see the gospel because the gospel is not being played out in our lives because we aren't even thinking about the fact that we've got a calling from God. But once we start thinking about it, then it starts to manifest itself. And we'll talk about how that happens here in a moment. So believe, like that's that's lesson number one. Just walk out this week. He's gonna believe that there's a call of God in your life. Believe in the boundaries. Now, to believe in Jesus <laughs> is to believe that he has set boundaries to keep people and activity out there will always be stuff that must be kept out of our lives. And Jesus sets the boundaries. Now, I'm not talking about sin. Oh, make sure you don't go do this. Make sure you don't go do that. No, 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 no. I'm talking about a boundary that is designed to protect you in the midst of your time between your birthday and your death day that you are able to fulfill the divine call that you've been appointed to. Stuff will try to get in. Things about your career, your desire to make money, and what you are going to do with your life, and how you see all these things. Get this. Jesus sets the boundaries. You don't get to set the boundaries. He said, wait a minute, it's my life. It's your life that you surrendered and became a servant, a loss to Christ and the gospel with disregard to your own interest and he begins to set the boundaries. And he shows you what should come in and what should not come in. He begins to show you, you should take this promotion or you should not take this promotion. You should work for this company or you should not work for this company. You should move here or you should not move here. Jesus does all that? Yes, he does. We say, how do I figure that out? Well, that's what the boundaries are all about. He speaks to us about the boundaries. And what we should never do is try to move the boundary or try to set the boundary up ourselves. We say, well, how in the world do I know what the boundaries are in my life? Well, that's why I'm always leaning into you and saying, You better be in the Word and develop a prayer life. Because it is through the power of the Holy Spirit, the teaching of the Word of God, being in communication with God as He leans into us. And I'm reading the Word, I'm listening to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, and He's leading me and saying, That's a boundary. And I, I, I can see that I keep letting people cross this boundary that I should not let cr- cross this boundary because it's keeping me from this call that I clearly know that. I heard the Lord say that he wants me to do X, Y, Z with my life. You see, um, I can tell you from experience that if you get out of the word or you begin to compromise in your time of eating the word and spending time in prayer, not rushing it. Listen, men, we're all busy. I do that myself But I'm going to tell you, I keep coming back to this place where I know that I have to have time of communication with the Lord. I have to have time of feasting on the Word. And if not, I will put myself in a vulnerable place where I'm just inviting pain and things to cross the boundaries because I can't recognize where they are anymore. Not only that, if I stay out of the word too long and you stay out of the word too long, you'll start moving the boundaries where you want them. Yeah, but Jesus and his, you know, I'm covered by the grace, so even if I get this wrong, that's not how Christianity works, okay? We don't, we don't sin intentionally by disobeying what the Lord wants us to do and, 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 and saying, man, I, I can get away with this. That is a very um, dangerous way to live and get consequences that are coming into our lives and that, that, that the Lord never wants us to be a part of. And so like we believe. We, what, is it, what do we believe? We believe that the Lord has called us. We believe in boundaries that are there, and we believe that the Lord will show us what those boundaries are, and then finally we believe that we are sent. All of this is done to send us out to perpetually bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. So, so like, I believe this is what my life is all about. Like, I'm going I'm to do all kinds of things this week, um, all kinds of activities that I'll be involved in. But the fact of the matter is, is the most important thing that I'm going to do is bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. And so it it is that as I look at my life, as I lay my life before the Lord, as I harmonize with the boundaries that he has placed and I know like I'm living within those boundaries and I'm listening and I'm learning on a daily basis, he's unfolding to me what he describes in John chapter 10 verse 10. He says, "The thief cometh not but for to steal and kill and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and you might have it." more abundantly. And all of this is described in the context of a sheep pen. And he says, my sheep hear my voice. I lead them in, I lead them out. Others come up and try to cross and climb over the fence, a wolf or a robber or somebody else, but my sheep won't listen to them. Why won't they listen to them, Jesus? Because my sheep talk to me, they know my voice, they hear me, they listen, and they follow. Now, how do we do that? It is through these times of personal worship that the Lord has preserved for us and this abundance that we have of the Word all around us that we're able to do this. And then we walk out. He leads us out into the world. He sends us in order to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. And all of a sudden, when that happens, we see truth dropping from the divine throne of God and the vehicle by which it's making its way to the planet is my soul. That has been shaped by the grace of God as He exerted His holy influence on my life and I walked in obedience. And I'm like, whoa! And then nothing else in this world will satisfy me nothing, no activity, no amount of money, no pleasure, because now my taste has been satisfied by the hand of the creator. I'm feasting on something divine. And so I believe this is what my life is about. And the more I believe this, the more my behavior is shaped by it. So now, instead of reading the word and going, well, I'm a loser if I don't read the word, I'm reading the word and going, I want to know the boundaries. I want to know the voice of the Lord. I want to know that I'm not screwing up my life and putting myself in a place where I'm going to have to deal with a bunch of pain that I never should have had to deal with. And so what's the big idea of the day? I believe I belong to Jesus. Like I really believe that. I don't just believe in Jesus, I believe I belong to Jesus. And to be a Christian is to believe this. It is to this is what it means to be a disciple of the Lord. I've surrendered myself to this belief and I am no longer my own. I belong to Jesus. And so my friends, this week, what do I do, man? What am I supposed to do to be a good Christian? Believe you belong to Jesus. That's all I want you to do this week. Just go out and just be thinking while you're working, while you're golfing, while you're like mowing. I believe I belong to Jesus, man. And then think, well, what are those things Jimmy was talking about? Well, there's a calling on my life. And you'll find yourself starting to talk to the Lord about the calling. And then you'll start to think about the boundaries so that you ensure this calling that you're starting to feel on your life that you're getting really enthusiastic about, you want to see happen. And now you're starting to have faith that God has told you to do X, Y, Z. And the next thing you know, you may be the father or the mother of a new ministry that has birthed out of this church or a book that helps people who are depressed, or somebody who's struggling with addiction, you've started a recovery program, and the kingdom of heaven has found its way to the earth, and it came through a soul that was influenced by Jesus. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Believe, friends, you belong to Jesus. Heavenly Fathers, we thank you today. We thank you for the Word and its simplicity, and the power, the privilege, Lord, to be called a servant of yours, a servant of the gospel of Christ. Help us disregard our interests, Lord. It seems so hard to do at times. But teach us, Lord, by dropping the breadcrumbs and helping us follow hard after you and finding you along the way. And Lord, we believe that you have a purpose for this church. We believe, Lord, physically you have marked out boundaries right here in this place that you're going to do something special. And, Lord, we believe it is through the calling of the people to call this place home. As we hear your voice and we respond in obedience, Lord, you're going to do something. We're going to see ministries come out of the ground we're going to see disciples that are made. We're going to see lives transformed. We're going to see the kingdom of heaven come to the earth. And we are excited about that, Jesus. But this week, help us to believe that we belong to you. You hear this morning and your head bowed and your eyes closed, I do want to say this. If you don't know the Lord... You need to give your life to Him. I mean, there's a very intentional step to that, very personal thing. And you can do it right there where you're sitting. You can do it at your home. You can do it out in the woods. But the important thing is you do it, and you do it to the point where you believe that it has happened, and you tell somebody else that I've given my life to Jesus. And I'm here to help you with that. Like, you can, you can tell me you want to talk after service or asked to meet with me during the week, I will do whatever it takes to help you on your journey with Jesus. But no, nobody else can give your life to Jesus. And just because you're at this church doesn't mean you gave your life to Jesus. You know whether you have or not. And so there's always an open invitation from me to help you in that part of your journey. But make sure you don't miss the most beautiful calling that you could ever hear. And that is that of Christ saying, I want you to belong to me. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.